Hey, just want to welcome you again. My name is Chad, and I'm one of the pastors here, and just really excited to share the word this morning. If you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 21. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. John was a Jesus lover, disciple, which means he was a lifelong student, and he wanted to model his life after the way of Jesus. His words, his deeds, his attitudes, his actions, his teachings, his example. John was a disciple. It's a fancy word to say lifelong learner, apprentice, or student. And John uh, has been walking us through. We're in the third week celebrating resurrection. We, we say around here we don't just celebrate that Jesus didn't stay dead once a year. We celebrate it every weekend. Amen? If he wasn't raised, our faith is futile and we're still stuck and bound in our sin. That's what it says in the scripture. But because he's been raised, all sorts of things are now possible through his love and his grace, like you and I being made a new creation. And so today, uh, we, we looked at Mary in John 20, mistaking Jesus for a gardener. We looked at the disciples who were freaked out in their room with the doors locked, and then the Jesus with the glorified body was able to work his way through the door. We don't quite know how that works. But last week, we looked at, we looked at the reality that even our fears and our, 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 our cowardice cannot withstand Jesus showing up in our midst and bringing and breathing his presence and shalom on our life. Aren't you glad for that, that doors are no match for Jesus? That he has, he has a way of finding us and meeting us where we're at, breathing his presence and purpose into our life and then sending us to continue his ministry and work. So last week we looked at that. You can check it out on the podcast or whatever or on our Facebook. This week I want to continue this post-resurrection encounters with Jesus on the shore and his disciples on the boat fishing again. If you know a little bit about the Bible, you know that the, really the first four disciples we read about in Matthew's account were all fishermen. So in sort of a comedic uh, story telling, John has the disciples who started before Jesus as fishermen. Now, after resurrection, not quite sure what it means that their Messiah didn't stay dead, but he rose and has all authority and power and is able to breathe his spirit on them. They don't really know what to do, so they go back to what they know. Come on, who in here knows what it is to go back to what you know and to stay stuck in your own same lifestyle and your own patterns and you just keep going back there? How many know, though, that God in Christ invites us not to just stay back there, but to go there with him on a new journey, right? And he wants to write a new story with our life. It's the life of a disciple, one who is yoked and walking side by side, hand in hand, heart to heart with Jesus. So let's read the account, and then we'll unpack some of its implications together. If you have your Bible, it's in John 21. John chapter 21 with verse 1. And here's what it says. And afterward, and I'll get to all the slides here in a minute. And afterward, Jesus appeared again, this is the third time, to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to go out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Because who likes to fish alone? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Hmm. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Who would like to go fishing with Jesus? Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord! He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. Hard to cast the net with a big cumbersome garment. And he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. In other words, doing all the work. While Peter was swimming. For they were not far from the shore, just about a hundred yards, which, by the way, is sort of a long way to swim. (laughs) Yes. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals, a burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore, It was full of large fish, 153. Hmm, thank you, John, for that little important detail. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, Father, thank you for your word. We ask that now you'd breathe on the text, you'd breathe on our hearts and our ears and on our life together, that these words would be living words that would nurture and nourish us, that they would cut us, they would heal us. Lord, your word would come with cleansing, it would come with direction, it would come with anointing to live the life that Jesus models and gives us by his spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. I had the privilege a couple years ago, and I promise I literally did get photos. I've been to the Sea of Tiberias or Galilee. It is a stunning body of water. Actually, when I went to Israel a couple years ago, it was by far the most meaningful time. You know, the empty tomb was pretty cool. You know, the, the different sites, the, you know, the marathon of 11 days of just sightsee, sightsee, sightsee. When we got to the sea, it was like a, <sighs> how many know there's just something about water? Unless you hate water, then this metaphor has no meaning to your life. <laughs> Throughout scripture, either water is super bad, like chaos, dark, or streams of refreshment. So whichever one fits your fancy But the boys, the the disciples built a history with Jesus around this body of water. If you've been to Israel, you know, today, you'll see a lot of his ministry happened just off the shore into neighboring villages. So this sea was very familiar to the boys. And it's so cool that Jesus knows those places and those people that are meaningful to us. And he is so compassionate. That so often he'll meet us through the road or the lens that we see life through. How many know if you love outdoors, you will find God if you go hike Madonna Mountain, right? If you love a good conversation, if you listen to, to, to the evidence of God's grace and movement in your friend's life, you will hear the voice of the Lord. God knows a way to show up through Jesus in meaningful ways for us. And so here he is, showing up to the guys 
around a body of water. And what's so interesting is this story, John has just written a masterful book, 21 chapters. All these signs and amazing miracles and teachings that Jesus has done and his ultimate sign of death on a cross and then the Father raising him in power and glory. But really, I believe this story in John 21 really provides a framework or a a blueprint for our whole life as disciples of Jesus. That's how much I believe this passage has to show us. I would argue right here, my thesis is that the entire journey of being a Jesus follower is about learning to see and respond to who Jesus is, what Jesus is doing, and to go where he is leading. How many are thankful it is that simple? Not, how many are thankful, but it ain't easy. It's about Jesus. Everyone say it's about Jesus. Life in Jesus, looking to him, loving him, knowing him, treasuring him, listening to him, walking with him, going where he leads us to go. There would be no Christianity without Christ. So, but listen, how many of you know there are plenty of versions out there that have very little resemblance or centrality of the person and work of Jesus? It's adherence to him. It's not adherence to Pastor Chad or Cornerstone Church. It's the, the invitation that God has issued all of humanity is to find life from the source itself, and his name is Jesus. He is the life. That's what's so breathtaking about this invitation to Jesus. We've already discussed that Jesus is the faithful master, teacher, Lord, and he's faithful to reveal himself to us over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. How many are thankful it is not a one and done transaction, but a lifelong quest to know a person? And one of the first points I want to draw out here about this framework for being a, a, a follower, a student of Jesus, is the importance of place. My question for you is, do you have a place? Do you have a place where, you can, where you've built a history with Jesus? Nod your head at me. Does it, maybe just a couple of you. Don't give me a big, long sentence. Where's your place? Shout it out at me. Kitchen table. That's what I'm talking Early morning. Place or time. I love both. What do you got? Shower. Praise God. Spare room in the car. Here and now. In my mind. In my heart. At the foot of the cross. Nice. Good one. All day long. I love it. I can't underscore enough the importance of you want to grow of, as, as a lifelong learner and student and apprentice to Jesus. Find a place. For me, it's early morning, lazy boy. Feed up, coffee poured, organic cliff, peanut butter filled bar. <laughs> Five-ish in the morning. Some people hold me accountable to what I say on these, behind this pulpit, believe it or not. It's not always five. Okay? <laughs> Moving on. 
Have you begun building your own history with Jesus? Did you know that Christian, the beauty of this new covenant that, that, that Jesus has made available is no one has to live vicariously through anyone else's relationship with Jesus. You can have a relationship with Jesus. You don't, have, you don't live through me. You don't live through someone who has a bunch of degrees. You don't have to live through someone who claims to know all of the answers. But the beautiful thing is that there is a place right in the heart of Jesus that has your name on it. So do you have a place, and have you begun to build a history, and then go to that place and live out of that posture again and again and again? I already alluded to this passage about Jesus calling his disciples. Follow me, he says, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, right? And as he went on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, and they were with their dad, they were mending nets, and he called them, and immediately, everyone say, immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. We might say point number two of this passage illustrates in John 21 is that when Jesus calls, respond right away. How many know his voice is usually strongest and clearest right at the beginning? It gets all muddled in confusion if I bury it in delay or disobedience. That's a good word right there. So when he speaks, I like to say it this way. Because how many know we hear in part, we prophesy in part, 1 Corinthians 13, we know in part, we see through a glass dimly, but I would rather err on the side of, yes, Lord, was that your voice, than Lord, was that you? And stay on the shore. How many would rather err with a posture of yes in their heart than always delay and was that and should that and could that? If he's calling you to follow him, it's probably a good thing. And even if you fail or falter, guess who catches you as you step out to obey and love? Come on, Rudy. And so he gathered there, Simon Peter, and we see the names again. I'm just walking through the text. And I want to say lesson number three, life of a disciple, is that it is not a solo mission. Come on, say that with me. Discipleship is not a solo mission mission. Amen. Amen. Um, Men, shameless plug. There's many discipleship opportunities, and there's a bunch of women's and and, and ministries birthing right now, pun intended. Um, But men, I just, I'm I'm starting a a men's discipleship 6 a.m. on Monday. There's already other things on the bulletin, but if you are not connected in a relationship with Jesus with other dudes, if you're in four other groups, don't come. You can, but I'll kick you out after you, I'm just kidding. Because the goal is not to be in 50 groups, but at least to be in one. Everyone say at least one. Running together after Jesus with others. 6 a.m. Monday, right here, we'll be here. Tomorrow, 6 a.m., shameless plug, write it down. Set your alarm, get your booty out of bed. Discipleship is not a solo endeavor. It's an us thing. Because how many know God uses your brother and or your sister as an instrument in his hands for your formation? How many have ever been formed or deformed by a person? (laughs) How many need healing from that person? Beloved, God's method of forming us 
to more and more resemble his love is by us submitting ourselves to the community of Christ followers, learning and looking and listening, reading their life and growing up together. How many know we need each other for this journey? We've so often banged the drum of the personal and private walk with Jesus. I am all for the personal, private Jesus, me and Jesus, me and Jesus, but you have to look at Jesus as perfect theology, and he kind of had people around him. <laughs> he thought it was important. <laughs> Amen, right? Because we none of us lives to ourselves or dies to ourselves. It's always about those around us, our lives, our families. And I love that we know the names, and all of these guys got to Jesus in different ways. How many know there's room in the kingdom of God for all shapes and sizes, but it's all about Jesus? Simon says, I'm going to go fishing. We'll go with you. And I would say this, in the church today, we need Simons. We need Simons who are willing to risk being silly misinterpreted we need god wants to raise up bold leaders in his church in this hour people who when they say i'm going here there's something that rises within god's people in their heart we're going with you how many know maybe your delayed risk or obedience or repentance or gift or generosity or whatever dynamic in the kingdom, what if your delayed yes is actually holding back a chain reaction of God's kingdom that if you would say yes to Jesus, others would see that obedience and then see it as permission to say yes to the same thing? How many know, many of us, what if it's not just about you and me and my personal private, what if someone's watching me in my yes and what if my yes gives them permission to say yes? That's good. We need Simons. We need people willing to be the first, to jump out, to say, I'm going. And I would say, we need you to step up. I need you to step up. So many of us are waiting for others when the Spirit is breathing on you. Amen. And I love it. They went out, even if we need Simons, this is where the metaphor breaks down, they didn't catch anything. <laughs> Slash. It's not just we need leaders, we need spirit-filled and spirit-led leaders. We need people who can hear the voice of the Lord say, I'm following, and then follow me as I follow him. Amen. So it's not just let's go, it's, what are you saying? I'm in. Right? They caught nothing. How many have ever known fishless nights? How many have worked super hard, but you still were in debt? How many have tried super hard, but the relationship still went belly up? How many have known fishless nights, doing what you thought was best, but in your own strength, and your own best efforts, but where your own efforts were not enough. Who has ever known the, sh the stark reality that our efforts are not enough on our own? It's actually the Lord's goodness that he allows us to experience that. How many are thankful you've learned that lesson? 
Because what does that lesson point us to? To him. The entire relationship with Jesus rises and falls upon you and I learning to rely less and less on ourselves and more and more on his power and presence. That's the whole journey of following Jesus. And just after daybreak, come on, someone say, I love when the day breaks. The good news, friends, right here. When we've been up all night toiling, doing what we know best and our best means, and when those efforts fall short, there's one on the shore who's breaking the day, standing. The staggering reality is that Jesus is more after relationship with us than we will ever manufacture or conjure up to want to know him. What if he's always standing there? Waiting for us to put our own effort down and to look to his loving leadership again. Jesus in his mercy will let us experience the frustration of fishless nights so that we'll learn to more readily submit to and rely on him instead of us. The thing about Jesus' leadership is it's not domineering or coercive or demeaning. Maybe one of the most important verses in the Bible is this. Read it out loud with me. Come to me, all you that are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He just stands on the shore. At daybreak, come on, even the darkness is as light to him. I was thinking about this verse. It says, I think, I think come to me is always Jesus' posture toward us. <laughs> if you agree, can you say amen? I think his perpetual posture is come to me. When? How often? Under what circumstances? <laughs> Come to me. So after daybreak, right? The disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Point number 75. How many know we many times miss Jesus when it's Jesus trying to get our attention? If he's always standing at the shore of our heart in the spirit, if he's always in all circumstances and situations trying to fill it with his power and his presence and his leadership, his word, his opinion, his wisdom, his peace, his love, his promise, how many know you and I, if we don't have the eyes of faith, we will miss Jesus standing there in broad daylight? 
How many think you've ever missed Jesus and his prodding and his leading in your life? Here he is standing in broad daylight. They don't know it's him yet. Someone say yet. There's hope in the yet. All of life as a disciple is learning to grow by the Spirit. And the awareness is that he's always with you. Not just the cognitive awareness, but the real-time awareness that you're with me. Emmanuel is God with us, right? Matthew 1.21. Matthew 28.20. First chapter of Matthew, last verse of Matthew. I'm with you always until the end of the age. You think Jesus wants us to know that he's always with us. And he increasingly invites us to not miss it. He will not force his way and truth and life on us. I love this principle, John 6, 40. Read it with me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. Where does life come from when we look to the Son? Come on, someone say, look to the Son. The journey of being a disciple is learning to more quickly and more readily and steadily look to the Son. Look to Him, and what happens when you look to Him? You live. What happens when you look to Him? The Father raises you up. The whole posture of a student of Jesus is to keep your eyes on the teacher. The one who is the answer. When we willingly acknowledge that our efforts apart from looking to him and relying on his strength are futile, we're ready to receive a life-giving corrective word from Jesus. So he says, try the right side of the boat. He won't force us here, friends. Listen, our choices will take us here. The futility of our own ways, our own wisdom, our own agenda, our own, I know what to do. I'm a fisherman. That's what I do. I know all the answers. I know how to get there. I'm smart enough. I'm not saying you're not smart enough or that you don't have intuition or jam-packed with potential. But it's the posture that matters. God, there's only one category of people God opposes, and it's the proud Come on, someone say, I don't want to be those he opposes. But he gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. He resists us when we think we don't need him. When we acknowledge our need, in which the world says is weakness, but Jesus says, you just painted a bullseye target for my power to rest now. <laughs> Yay. Try the other side, knuckleheads. It's in the Greek. Amen. They listen. How many know listening and obeying is our part? The amount of fish that get in, shoved in the net, that's God's part. Some seed falls on good soil 30, 60, 100 times. So many of us are unwilling to cast the net to try it Jesus' way because we're trying to manufacture, figure out the end from just the moment right now that he's asking me to obey. 
What if we didn't have to know all the answers? What if it was just about an up-to-date yes to where Jesus is leading and what Jesus is saying and how Jesus is doing it? This is the life of a disciple. This is a very basic message, but this is the, this is the good stuff. This stuff will work every day of your life. Discipleship, growing in Christ, is learning to moment by moment look to, learn from, and listen to what Jesus is saying. And I want to say this because some of us are like, well, I want my life to count. I want to work hard all night. I want to go catch a bunch of fish, and I want you to know God put that in you. You were made for fruitfulness. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were made to be fruitful. You were made to bear fruit, to live a life that matters. I'm not going to go there. It's very, I talk about it all the time. He made us to rule, subdue, be fruitful, multiply. He wants us to catch lots of fish. He wants us to go to the next level, to reach our potential, to discover our purpose. Amen? But that will never, ever be at the expense of relationship with him. Amen. Everyone say relationship is primary. Everything else flows from that. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come to give you life. He wants to stuff your life with his life. Sorry, that's how good he is. Get over it. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to catch lots of fish, but he wants you to learn the posture of a disciple. Rely on him, not you. They spent three and a half years with Jesus, but they're back fishing, doing what they know. Beloved, you and I will go back to our old, self-focused until we hear a word from Jesus and learn to allow that spirit to cultivate and to shape us to live out of a new normal, which is looking to Jesus in all things. We'll just go back to the old ways. But Jesus is saying, I got a new idea for you. It's called life in my spirit. I want to fill your life with my life. Jesus said it before he died. I, my father's glorified when you bear a lot of fruit. Amen. I chose you. You didn't choose me. I appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And I'll give you whatever, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And I love that fruitfulness and asking are tied because what does asking imply? Humility and reliance. And I say that humility and reliance upon God are irresistible to him. Amen. You know what's ir irresistible to me? When my children look to me, knowing I'm going to come through, they can trust me. Infinitely more. We say, Jesus, I trust you. I'm tired. I didn't catch anything. I've been working really hard. And Jesus says, look to me again. Lean in. Listen to my voice. I want you to be fruitful, but it's going to be on my terms. You've got to learn to listen and rely on me. Super easy lessons to learn. Then Peter found out it was Jesus. He jumped and swam 100 yards. And I want to say this as a disciple. The great joy of being a student of Jesus is learning to discover that it's Jesus. It was Jesus that woke you up in the morning. It was Jesus that gave you five 
country organic espresso coffee from Trader Joe's. <laughs> Come on, somebody, I'm preaching now. I, I want you to see this, that the great joy perpetually of a Christ follower is that's Jesus. It's Jesus in that relationship. It's Jesus in that sense of hope today where there was despair yesterday. <laughs> you understand that the joy is perpetually, it's, it's him. And did you know that he wants to give us eyes and a mindset and a mentality to discover him everywhere. He wants to fill our life with his life. It's Jesus, everyone say, it's Jesus. You might even jump out of a boat and swim 100 yards with a huge heavy garment on your back to get to Jesus. It's silly, but it's okay. Point number 79. Everyone responds to Jesus different. Make space. Everyone should have said amen to that. Peter, a little bit charismatic, bro. Dude, the dude just denied him. You don't know someone's backstory. And when the Spirit touches their heart, you're not, who are you to judge how they respond to Jesus? And that doesn't mean that just because Peter jumped in, all the other guys didn't think that Jesus was Jesus too. Someone's got to carry the net. Make space for how people respond to the grace of God. Enough. How many times have we slandered and shot a shot across the bow because someone responded the way that I thought they should or shouldn't have? How many know when you discover it's Jesus, why don't you respond to the grace of God? All right, that was a pastoral moment. I love you. There's not a prescription. Who are my criers out there? When, when you see it's Jesus, yeah, it's me. I just cry. How many are weepers? Not crier, like ugly criers. How many, are, how, many, how many are laughers? Like, I just can't believe he's so good. I'm such a knucklehead. I didn't catch anything, but there he is on the shore again, wanting to do life with me. Ha <laughs> ha! How many are runners? I, I am. It's Jesus! Woo! How many are quiet and reserved and contemplative, but the Spirit's moving on the inside? How many know we've got to create space for when Jesus is revealed, there's going to be a little bit of a different expression on the body? And how many know it's okay? All right, that's good. That's good pastoral training, teaching. The point is that we discover Jesus. Ha! <laughs> Yay. When they got gone ashore, they saw a fire already there, and there was already a fish and bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught. The whole point of following Jesus is it is never fully dependent upon us, nor are we ever the initiators of the relationship. And we all said amen. We are always responders and participants to the invitation of God to fellowship and friendship. How many are thankful for that? Because how many have days you don't feel like being an initiator? How many have days when you're tired, you're weary, that sleepless night, catching nothing? I don't feel like getting up and seeking good news of the whole journey of following Jesus. He's always seeking after you. The first move is never with you. Jesus always has something on some fire to nourish you. If you look to him. <laughs> but, but 
Let me go over here to make a point. He includes us. He invites us to participate. Because what does he say in verse 10? I already got fish, but bring what you caught. Why? It's a living, dynamic relationship. How many know if he wanted robots, he could have created them? But he wants felt friendship. So the whole amazing fact of God in Christ is that he invites our little part to be a part of his big and beautiful kingdom purposes. You matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, your part matters. Come on, Paul. Bring some of the fish you just caught. Jesus is almost comical here. He's the one who told them where to fish. He's the creator of the lake, of the fish, of the undercurrents in that lake, and the biological ecosystems that keep everything perfectly alive. And yet, and yet, he still used the disciples to catch the fish and bring them in. He, I suppose, like he did with Lazarus 10 chapters earlier, come forth! I suppose he could have said, Fish! Come on, YouTube, those flying fish. They're freaky. Anyone seen the flying fish on YouTube? Should have shown it right there. Should have shown it. I, I have it. I know where it is. Darn it. Where the fish jump in the boat. <laughs> Jesus could have done that. He made those type of fish. So though we never initiate, and it's not even up to us to sustain, he wants us to show up and to participate. Come on, somebody. We have a part to play. But get it in alignment with his bigger part and his invitation and his sustenance and his guidance and wisdom. But bring your part. Bring me some fish. It's awesome that he would include us. Does anyone else think it's amazing that he includes us? <laughs> Sorry, I just drilled the point home. So anyhow, they pulled a bunch of fish on shore. Apparently, Peter got out of his lazy, it's Jesus phase, and he helps his friends. Look at this. I love it. Did you see the picture in your mind's eye? It's Jesus. The boat's going as fast or faster than I am. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah, it was a good catch, wasn't it? You, we did all the work. In 153, amazing that we have a number. Peter reengages his friends and they bring the catch on shore. And I just say, what a beautiful picture of worship. What a beautiful picture of teamwork and what a be beautiful picture of God's intention. How many know we serve a God who wants us as his disciples to be increasingly fruitful? How many know he wants our lives to rub off and impact many lives around us for his kingdom purposes. I got three yeses, but that means the rest of you are probably just thinking about it. How many believe that God actually wants to use you to bring people to him for his purposes and glory? The net was bursting, but not broken. Come on, that'll preach. And Jesus' intention on the shore is always come and eat. 
it's inter- interesting to note that Jesus really likes food. Can we just pause for a moment? And praise our God and Father that the Son of God loves to eat. And He's my master, so I love to eat. Why does He love meals so much? What happens around a meal? Keep going. You're doing great. You're preaching it for me. I don't have to preach it. Fun. Conversation. Relationship, connection, hospitality, intimacy, friendship. Those are all pretty good words. You did it. Good job. (laughs) Fundamental to, he likes to eat with us. He likes to do life with us. He likes to talk about how the seer on that Sea of Galilee bass, the little lemon wedge, the homemade first century tartar sauce. They probably didn't have it. Am I preaching the gospel this morning or what? Come on, someone help me. He loves to eat with us. What if it really was that simple? If we want to be disciples of Jesus and we want to fish for people who are far from God, what if it was as easy as opening up our homes and our hearts and our hands and our tables? How many know the way to the heart is through the stomach? Can I get an amen? (laughs) So Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to him. He did the same with the fish. Obviously, there's Last Supper communion overtones here. Obviously. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. He broke it the same with the fish. And here I love, because it doesn't tell us, is he breaking the fish that he had before they brought all the 153 on or did he use some of the fish that they gave him? I don't really know. You can read a commentary or two. But what I like to say is that now what Jesus is doing through this community of disciples is that he actually uses our lives as we are broken, as our hearts are broken with what breaks his as we learn to look to, learn from, and lean on Jesus in all and for all things. That He actually uses our life as nourishment to those around us. That's so cool. You mean my little old life? Yes, your life. But you mean all of my, yeah, all of your. In the hands of Jesus, it becomes sacred. In the hands of Jesus, your life becomes something that can nurture and nourish those around you. Do you buy that? It's hard to believe, but it's good news. And sometimes the best news is the hardest to believe because we're just riddled with cynicism and the brokenness of our past and our choices. But what if Jesus wants to take us into his hands and to bless us and then to give us as his ambassadors? This was the third time Jesus appeared. What were the other two? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. (laughs) And now this. Try fishing my way. (laughs) Let's catch something together. And let's always come back to the table.
So here we are in 2019. Standing on the shore with Jesus. I don't know where you're at on that journey. I did my best to unpack some of the dynamics. Maybe you're in an evening or a season of fishlessness and you're exhausted. Maybe it's time to put the net down and to look for the leadership and the empowering grace of Jesus. Amen. Maybe your life is filled with noise, so even when the one who speaks from the shore speaks, there's so much noise in your life, you couldn't hear it even if you tried. Am I talking to anybody? Maybe there's a season of fasting. Maybe there's a season of silence. Maybe there's a season of, you know what, before I check the news in the morning or before I turn the tube on at night and just check out and blank out, and what if I just start giving moments to the Lord to let him fill the silence with his leadership and voice? But I want you to picture yourself in this story still trying to figure out this is the third time he's appeared. How many know we're always sort of figuring out how Jesus is in his way. I mean, we don't ever, if you ever think you've got him, it's like cat by the tail. You don't know what they're going to do. No offense, you're not a cat. Jesus, you know what I'm saying. I would never say that. How many know he's the Lord, we're not? But he always is there at daybreak, inviting us to discover that it's him. Can you discern it? Do you perceive it? What's one of the best ways, the, maybe the best way to find him? Open the Bible. <laughs> Super deep here today. Start reading the stories of Jesus. Just let him fill your imagination, your thoughts, your dreams. Go on a journey of discovery. All I know is this. This one little story, right at the end of John's message, gospel, it's sort of where all of us perpetually live. Out on some boat, doing something to the best of our ability. Meanwhile, Jesus is always there saying, I want to do all of life with you. Look to me. Listen to me. Learn from me. Let me lead and guide your life, and you will experience at some point nets that are full because I want to fill your life with my life. That's the good news of the gospel this morning. Amen.